As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Today my featured guest is Nate Cools. He is a staunch Catholic. He's a husband. He's a father of 10 kids. That's how you know he's a staunch Catholic for all you Protestants out there. That was a joke. He's an entrepreneur and business owner. He's an army veteran. He's an adventure lover. Bus life, bus life, people. Hashtag bus life. Uh, he's a travel enthusiast and he's a patriot, right? This is what he tells me. We're gonna dig in and see: Is this guy for real, or is he pretending? Like so many guys out there on their Insta pages, like who is this guy? But today we're gonna talk about this man. We're gonna talk about reckless abandonment to trust in God. You know you need to trust God more in your life. You know you need to trust God more in your business. You know you need to trust God more in your marriage. But you don't know how. You don't know how to take the first step. It seems too confronting. It literally seems impossible most days. How do you do it? That's why I brought Nate on. We're going to talk with a father of 10 kids who's living the life and recklessly abandoning to trust in God daily. That's not doesn't mean he's perfect. I'm sure this guy slips left and right. I'm sure his wife tells him about his slips. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into it and we're going to get real and practical. So if you're a man and you really want to recklessly abandon to trust in God, even if you're a woman and you want to do that, like block out the next 45 to 50 minutes and listen to the show. God's going to get you to take one step closer to him. That's it. Not 10. Just one. If you're ready for that, if that doesn't sound too big for you, then get your pen and paper and listen up. Here we go. All right. Nate Cools, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take a minute. Fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yes, sir. Uh, I well, I guess I'll start with, I most certainly slip up. I slip up all the time. <laughs> I make mistakes left, right, center. <clears throat> the only, excuse me, the only reason I'm here today is by God's good grace and by taking that one step every day. It, it's, it's a daily conversion. It's a daily practice. It's a daily effort put forth uh, related to trying to stay in shape. It's not really... You, you don't, you don't get in shape by working out once, 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 <laughs> once and done, right? The whole, I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and savior. I'm good to go to heaven. Now I never have to do anything else ever again. No, you have to work out every single day. You have to try every single day. And that's, that's where I am. I've just been trying for a long time. And by God's good grace, I started trying at a very young age with his graciousness, uh, by getting married at 19 and having a wonderful woman focused on God who helped lead me there. And so I had to step up my game and become the man, realizing I had now have another soul under my charge. So here we are. It's a good way to look at it. Very simple. Yet yes. confronting at times. Yes. Like I'm barely figuring out my own life now. God, you want me to bring another soul to you? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
All right. Take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Something personal. Um, could be vulnerable. It could be humiliating. I have a lot of emotional damage from how many lives were lost during my military and my EMT career um, that I had to personally experience. So there are, especially late at night, these demons come back and it's like, well, that's something you deal with. You give it to God. Yeah, I hear yeah. that. Is yeah. that still happening today? If you don't mind. Yes, me sir. All right. Got yeah. it. All right. You know, sometimes we think of PTSD as just this um, physical uh, reality, sure. you know, that people experience. Um, but I submit, and I'm sure you agree, it's also a spiritual. Oh, reality. it's more spiritual than physical. I agree with that. Yes. You know, and we are ill-equipped to take on that spiritual battle because we're not even looking at it as a spiritual thing. We're just like, oh, it's a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. Let me go to a, a therapist. No. You know, we're not saying therapy or counseling is bad. But no, 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 no. if they're only addressing the physical realm but not the spiritual realm and you're in a spiritual war, you're probably not getting the right weapons to fight it. Agreed. No. All right. Let's get into this, man. Reckless mm -hmm. abandonment to trust in God. Like – Take us back to age 19. Yes, sir. Where were you in your life where you're getting married to this girl at 19 years old, super young? I think yep. you said you proposed at 17. Is yep. That... Okay. Even younger. Yeah. Were you at this place of reckless, reckless abandonment to trust in God? Or Absolutely not. Not even close. Like, not even paint close. us a picture of where you were on the inner man on the mm -hmm. inside. Um, and how was that impacting uh, the outer man on your outside? At that point in time, uh, I was, well, I have been raised by good Catholic parents, but they didn't have any understanding or education in their own faith, if that makes sense. So we went to church on Sunday, but that was, that was pretty much it. So quite honestly, I didn't care a lot about God in any way. Um, I grew up, I was very mature for my age because I had been working uh, in the field, literally field, <laughs> raising cattle, bucking the hay bales, all the rest of it, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, with grown men, uh, golly, since I was nine, 10 years old. So I've been with the men working for years and years and years. And because of that, I had been, oh, I want this girlfriend or, oh, she's attractive or everything else. And I was sick and tired of it by the time I was 15, 16. I was like, girls are terrible. They try to manipulate you. They're, uh, they're always trying to get something from you. They're, they're <laughs> like, I, I was like, I'm done with girls. I don't want to deal with girls. And so I went to this Latin mass, which I had never been to before. Um, with my older brother who just came back from college and I saw this beautiful young woman who was singing in choir. And I was like, I'm not looking for girls, but she's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm we, not we, looking, but man, I'm open, man, I'm open. <laughs> and, uh, it kind of went from there. Uh, I, I met that young woman who is now my wife, praise be Jesus Christ. And, um, yeah, we just we just kind of went from there. I was not, I was not in a position of prayer. I was not in a position of following our Lord. I was in a position of work hard, make money, and that was really where it was at. I joined the military uh, for several reasons, but a big reason of the of it was I don't have any prospects where I'm at, and this would provide a stable environment for me to be able to get married in mm -hmm. and i wanted i wanted I, at that point i knew i wanted to marry my now wife and i was like i need to provide a stable environment so at a young age you were very future focused very very mature that 
by God's grace. Yeah, uncommonly mature. And I suspect it has something to do with your experience of being out in the field on the farm doing the cattle with men, grown yes. men, um, experiencing what real masculinity actually looks like day to yes. day. The good, I would... the bad, the ugly, all of it. Oh, now, yeah. This is, this is the way boys used to be raised. Yes. They went to work with dad. Yep. And yep. now they're left at home with mom. I know. It's it's kind of, it's pretty sad. And we wonder <laughs> why masculinity is lost on all these generations of boys. Because they don't go to work with dad and experience what how dad handles life day to day. True. How dad wrestles with problems. How dad maybe surrenders his problems to God or doesn't and resist. And then the boy gets to watch the consequences of that. Yes. Like that, that was a gift from God for 100%. you in your life. Was it not? hundred percent. And I'm, I'm just going to throw out there. Uh, the most formative years of a child are basically 10 to 18 when they're, they're, they're fully aware of themselves and they're learning their place in the world. During this time, my father, excellent man that he is, uh, he was working and he was working 80, 80, 90 hours a week doing everything he could. But in the field he was in, he was not making a lot of money. Okay. So I'm fourth child of nine children myself. And we didn't have enough financially. So my grandfather, my mother's father, was kind enough to allow me to basically move in with him. I mean, he was, you know, 20-ish, 30-ish, I don't remember, miles away from my parents' home. And so I moved in with him and I worked for his company and on his farm from 12 until I moved out at 17. And all the money that I made I gave back to my father. This is this is back in the days when you know EBT and food cards weren't really a thing. So the money I made was our grocery money for the rest of my brothers and sisters. So my grandfather fed me because I was working on this farm, um, and so I did that. And so my primary uh, influence of masculinity was my grandfather served in the Korean War, a man of incredible character and very few words. <laughs> so um, that was my primary influence, was my grandfather. So I was raised with uh, principles of manhood from, golly, he was born in like 1903. <laughs> so 100 years ago. <laughs> and that's kind of where that came from. <laughs> This is powerful, BC Nation, I think, because we're, we're unpacking one man's story, Nate Cools, uh, my guest today, and we're seeing where the influences in his childhood now are playing out in his adulthood. And this is important. This is not to be overlooked. We're seeing what happens when one boy is raised with mom and dad goes off to work. Maybe sees dad late at night and early in the morning. And that's it. And gets dad's leftovers. Rather than dad's best, because dad's just emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted from the full day of work. Yep. And dad's doing the best he can, but he's missing the point. And, you, and that boy is raised to fend for himself and figure out what it actually means to be a young man and then a man, the man. Yeah. So he really hears mostly the voices of females around him and then the world, but not dad. That's one boy's journey. And then you have this other boy 
that is raised from a very young age, 10 or 12, and goes off to live with granddad, who's a war veteran and a man of principles, and is raised on his farm and watches men working and goes to work with them and does man work as a very young child and watches men deal with life, how they deal with life, the good and the bad and what works and what doesn't work. And he's exposed to that, this little boy. And he's being formed into a man as a boy, whether he knows it or not, it's unconscious. And from there, he makes these mature choices that are future-focused rather than now and reactionary. And we just look at these, this uh, dichotomy of these two different boys and how they're raised and the environment dictates a lot of their future yep. and yep. what they think and feel and experience as to what it means to be a man let alone a man of God. So thank you for letting me just go there with you, BC Nation. And Nate, thank you for the pause. Just to really kind of play that out and understand the difference. Yeah. I didn't get to go to work with my dad. Most don't. I was incredibly blessed. Yeah. I got to go to work with my dad when I was about 16, 17. Mm -hmm. And it was just for two years. And it was yeah. to earn college tuition. Sure which yeah. I never utilized. <laughs> I think I got ripped off. I worked for free for two years. Sure. <laughs> but man, think about that. Like there you are. And this is not just a pat on your back. This is just the difference of the environment and, and what it created in, in one boy versus another. And there yes. you are as a young boy, literally spending all your money back into investing into your family to put groceries on the table, which is yes. a man duty. Yes. And you were doing that as a kid. I, I was doing that from 12 to 17. Yes, sir. That's fascinating. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see it. Just a, a note I want to make here. I did not, even at that age, primarily due to the excellent example of my grandfather, I did not see that as a hardship. My needs were met. I had clothes. I had work to do every day. I had food on the table that my wonderful grandmother would put there. I did not see not having money in the bank account as a hardship. I saw my ability to work as a blessing that I'm able to work. And so when I would visit my parents, usually Sundays and whatnot, I uh, would go to church or whatever and with my grandfather and I'd, I'd see the rest of my family, my other siblings and whatnot, I, I could look at them, the little brothers and sisters, and be like, I'm allowing them to flourish. And so that's a sense of satisfaction that you would look through throughout the week when you're working as a young child. See, as fathers, we get that. Yeah, as fathers, we get that. I was blessed to get that as a child. That's powerful. All right. Let's get into reckless abandonment to trust in God. At what age did God become present and real in your life? Realistically, 20 to 22, right in there. What happened that caused that? <clears throat> um, I had recently gotten married. I was, so I was trying to man up and have another soul in my, uh, you know, I have to take My care quiver. of it. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, we had just had our first child. I was still active duty military. And I, one of the major turning points for me to turn back to God was uh, I got severely injured. And so my physical prowess of I can always run faster. I can always do more. I can always march further with a heavier pack than everybody else got taken from me. And I was only 21 years old. Mm. And the doctors told me, you will never walk without a cane for the rest of your life. And you will never run again in your life. And I said, I'm 21. My entire life, my entire life's in front of me. That's a death sentence for a 21 year old. Exactly. Might as well be. Right. 
And so, um, by the way, none of that's true. I didn't follow anything they told me and I totally run and everything is fine. <laughs> uh, a little bit extra pain, but that'll come back to me when I'm 60. I'll worry about it then. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was, you know, I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. I can't make myself get better. And so that started the turn. And then a few years later, I was reading a book by, I'm not, I'm not sure if you know the author, Matthew Kelly. Um, and I was reading a book by him. And so I had just recently gone out of the military and I was reading this book with my wife. And in that book, he, he, he gives a challenge to the reader, which is take one week of your life and calculate how much time you spend on each activity in your day. It doesn't have to be exact, but a good estimate. At the end of the week, calculate, just add up the time you're spending on each activity and whatever you're spending the most amount of time on is your God at that time because time is the only thing you never get back. So if you're spending the most valuable asset of your life, your time on whatever it is, that is your God. My wife and I did that. This was a little 10 years ish ago. And I was like, good golly, God is not my God. <laughs> my faith is not my God. And so it's like, how do we bring God into our family? How, how do we change this? How am I not your average atheist? Go to, go to meetings, say your prayers, you know, whatever. I'm living identically to your average atheist in society. And I was like, this is, this is not okay. I need to change this. And so we started changing as best as we could. Most of it's trial and error. Make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> That's kind of how that goes. BC Nation, did you just identify with anything in that story? I did. That was many years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. You're never out of it. It's an so, ongoing story. So, Nate, we need to know. And it is my duty, my responsibility as the host of this show to get this answer for okay. my audience. What was your God when you did that assessment in your life? Mm. What were you worshiping most with your time? Pleasure. Pleasure. What's the, what's the next meal? What's the next show? What's the next comfort I can give myself? Effeminacy. That was my God. Being an effeminate man. Now, I want to I wa I make something clear because I think it's, it's unclear in society that being effeminate does not mean being womanly. As stated in uh, the Gospels, uh, the Old Testament, I, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting at the moment, but effeminacy is actually a damnable sin. But it does not mean you're being more womanly. It simply means you're being less of a man. So I like to, <laughs> my wife laughs at me every time I make this, uh, if, if a tractor isn't being used to load hay or move dirt or the things that a tractor is supposed to be, it literally is trying to race down the highway. That doesn't make it a Lamborghini. It just makes it less of a tractor. Effeminacy doesn't make you a woman. It doesn't mean womanliness is wrong. It literally means you're just less of a man. And that was my God at that time, a feminist. Pleasure. Comfort and complacency. Comfort and complacency is haunting society right now, especially the, our male counterparts. Yes. And, you know, complacency, comfort's obvious, right? You just described a lot of it. And complacency is a very sneaky one because it means right settling for comfort or the comforts however unaware of the impending doom and dangers headed your way 
So it's it, it's this comfort and unawareness. Yeah. Of the 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 cliff you're walking off of and bringing your wife and kids with. Yeah. That's complacency. And how many men are living that right now? And they Straight. don't even get it. They don't see it. They don't see the divorce coming. Yeah. It literally blindsides them. I provided everything for her. Except your presence, bro. Except your presence. Right? Yeah. It's like, I feel lost, abandoned, depressed. I want to commit suicide. Where was God? Bro, where were you? Where were you? You were working. You were working. <laughs> you didn't show up for God all the times he invited you. Yeah. Now you're going to blame him for not being there for you? When yeah. did you show up for him? With him? Right. Where were you with your kids? They want nothing to do with you now? Well, as, uh, as you so expertly put it, when two or more are gathered, God is there. A superpower I like to call of marriage that most people forget is you have a partner. So when you talk together, when you discuss things together, when you pray together, God is with you. It's a superpower. You, ha you don't have to, for, for all of the non-Catholics, uh, and, and, and you, you don't necessarily have to even go to church. Now, obviously, you, you, you should, <laughs> it, always. But in, during the week, just talking things out with your wife, God is present. You can bring God into your home just by involving your wife in what you're doing. God is with you. You just brought God into your home every single day. It's incredible. It's a superpower of marriage that most don't even recognize because two are gathered. It's amazing. Let's go deeper into reckless abandonment to trust in God in your marriage. Yes, sir. In your marriage. You've had highs and lows, have you not? Oh, yes. Okay. You've had times where you don't want to speak with her? Oh, sure. You have times where you just want to isolate and not have a conversation because maybe you just think it's pointless or it's going to fall on deaf ears again? Yep. Describe to us what you do to recklessly abandon to trust in God in those moments, the, the lows, the valleys in your marriage. Well, um, I'm an introvert by nature, so I want to go hide in a corner by myself and not talk to anybody when I'm feeling down. So we're going on 16 years of marriage here, a lot of trial and error. We pretty much... At this point, when I'm really down about something, uh, which happens a lot less than it ever did before because of our open communication. Normally, I'll put a timer on my phone and I'll go for a walk. Just go outside, get, get into nature as best as I can, if I can. Just no music, no screen, just walk and I'll literally just talk. Sometimes it's yelling, sometimes whatever it happens to be, just talk out exactly what I'm feeling. But not to her, to the woods, <laughs> you know, to the field, to the street, whatever it happens to be, and just talk out the emotion. Once it's been spoken, it orders in my mind that our timer goes off, I walk back, and then I discuss it. Now that I've already spoken it, I can explain it more clearly. And I just expose myself to whatever it is she's going to give back. And I always say right before I come in, Holy Ghost, give me wisdom and offer thee, O most sacred heart of Jesus. Whatever happens to be, good or bad, you take it. I'm going to expose myself. And I say it to her. In, sometimes that could be hurtful to her. Most of the time, it's embarrassing to me. I shouldn't have felt this way, but that's how I felt. And then I let her take it. And I usually go for another walk. Let her digest it. 
for an hour. Then we come back and we usually talk it and then, and then we just discuss it. And I tell you what, I don't feel down anymore because I got that pain out of my soul. I digested it. She digested it. And we were able to discuss it. Now she might say that was stupid how you felt about it. And I'm going to probably say, yeah, it was, but that doesn't mean I didn't feel it. And she's like, okay, so what did I do that caused it? And I'm like, well, this, which wasn't really a big thing, but past traumas, whatever it happens to be, I felt that. And she's like, okay, so I won't say that. What did you do? And I'm like, I overreacted. So when I feel that, now I know my natural go-to is overreacting. So now I know the trigger and I can do my best to prevent it and work towards it. Now, it's never going to be perfect, but work towards less of an overreaction. Mm. Men, was that helpful? I think it was. I'll be real. I'm going through it right now with my wife. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in a walk. Yeah. 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 Fair <laughs> I'm enough. In, I'm Love in it. A, a multi-hour walk right now. Love it. And it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense, right? God has been increasing uh, the purpose and the calling in his kingdom for me. And the enemy is on a rampage. Oh, yeah. And if he can't get to me because I'm battle, uh, I'm shielded up. Well, he's going to go for my wife and he's going to get in and he's yeah. going to go. If he can't get to her, he's going to go for my kids. Right. Oh, yeah. He's, he's going to find an access. It's important for us to get that. OK, so yeah. that we're not fighting an invisible enemy. Anymore. Name him. Name, name him. Every time it's the devil. It's the yeah, demons. You name the enemy. He loses he power over you. Took words out of my mouth, my friend. That's right, right? But when he remains invisible in your mind and your heart, man, you are powerless against him. Yes. Powerless. That's why you feel that loss of control. Yes. That gets you angry. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Nate, thank you. That was super helpful. I really think, man. You like you went there. Yeah. You went there and, and you walked us through this linear process of thinking it through as a man and the the measures you take the maneuvers you make in order to get it clear in your head where the, all the chaos is and i like what you said and i i agree with what you said is until you speak it out loud it's just like walking onto a battlefield and there's just shrapnel flying everywhere yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. Right. And you're like, all right, let me try to think this through. It's never going to happen. No. But the second you speak it out loud, spoken word out loud and get out that inner rage. Yes. And release the rage. Your mind can organize your thoughts or order your thoughts so that you can now not release the rage on your wife and your children, but out in the woods or in yeah. nature or to the air. Sure. Yeah. Very prudent. A lot of men don't get that. And they blow up on their wives and kids and hurt the ones they love most. With practice, your wife will want to give you that space. She'll realize you're walking. When, when you're upset, you're just like, Arr! she's like, go take a walk. And it's, she realizes that that is for her betterment as well as yours. You can go let it loose on the sidewalk. And then you come back ordered to her. Exactly. I, I love what you're saying. That's powerful. All right. So reckless abandonment to trusting God starts with men, 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 starts with walking with God, yes. taking a walk with God. And yes, release it out in nature, but also release it up to heaven. Yeah. Catapult that all those negative emotions and thoughts up to God. God says, like, dump, lay your burdens upon me, right? And rest. Like, yeah. he's saying, this is too much for you. 
Like, give it to me. I'm God. Like, it's not yeah. too big for me. This right. is like, this is like what you consider boulders, son. I consider toothpicks. Sure. Yeah. Like they're not heavy for God. Right. But yet we're like, God, no, I'm going to carry it. I'm going to play the savior. Nah, yeah. man, you're missing the point. All right. So take a walk with God. Take a walk out in nature. Release the inner rage. That's a that's a powerful step. All right. Then what? What if you get your thoughts ordered? Mm-hmm. You're about to go into your wife, but well, not but. And your next step was you surrendered the outcomes and results of the yes. conversation with your wife yes. or with your boss or with your kids or with your business partner or with that client that you're not yep. getting along with. You surrendered the outcomes and results to God of the conversation before you had the conversation. Before I have the conversation, I predisposition my mind. And this is through practice and trial and error. And I don't always do it. I still fail in this. But before the conversation, I say all for thee. Almost sacred heart of Jesus. Holy Ghost, give me wisdom. Whatever the outcome, I don't really, whatever the outcome, I give it to you. And by doing that, it orders your own mind and your own emotions. Because even if the response is negative, you don't feel that personal or at least less personal. It's not a personal attack. It's okay. Well, they're resisting. It just like I just was walking out, make the connection there. You're doing the same thing. If they're resisting you, it's probably just a resisting of God, which I just was doing by overreacting, which I needed to go walk with. So now we're on common ground. <laughs> We're on common ground. I was resisting logic and God. If they're resisting me, they're also resisting logic and God. We're on common ground here. We can now discuss. You give it to God, it makes it less personal. Mm. Powerful. So after we surrender these results to God, before having the conversation with the person, that we're in conflict with say it doesn't go our way say it doesn't resolve in that first conversation what do we do next to recklessly abandon to trust in god well um you realize that i i like to put it on myself in the way of how many times have i had to go back to god with the same sin how many times have i had to go back to god with the same fail did he give up on me? Did he say, you're not forgiven? Did he say, okay, that was too many times. I'm just not giving it up. No, God doesn't do that. So in the same way, if the issue is not resolved with the spouse, realize, especially as the man, you are supposed to be the representation of God in the family that's that's your goal. That's that's uh, St. Augustine spells that out is because in your family, the children before the age of reason can't comprehend God. They have to come. So the only thing they can comprehend is you. So you have to have to represent that God to these young children before the age of reason where they can actually understand God. So in that same essence, if it's not resolved with your spouse, Play the part, even if you don't feel it. She's failing. I'm failing. I failed. God's forgiven me. Give it time. Keep working and just keep smiling and giving words of encouragement. She may be mad at you for a week, two weeks, whatever it happens to be. Just keep smiling every time you see her. Force that smile and be like, I love you, honey. She'll realize You've forgiven her whether or not she's forgiven you. It's, you. You have to represent. You have, whether or not you feel it, you have to represent. 
Men, we're being challenged today. You don't have to take on all of them, but take on one. Yeah. One of these steps. You don't have to be good at it. No. You just have to practice it and suck less every time. Yes, you, you suck less. You don't get good at it. You just suck less. Exactly. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I'm almost 16 years in. I'm like, I suck a little bit less than I did. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like an expert at sucking less at things, you know, like yeah. an expert. Yeah. I got 10,000 hours in to the yeah. sucking less process. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So step one, gentlemen, gentlemen, walk with God. Take a walk with God when you're angry. When you're upset, when you're confused, when you're lost, when you're bitter, when you're resentful, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, take a walk with God. Release the rage. Speak it out loud to nature. Speak it out loud to God. Step two, surrender the results to God of the conversation before you go back to the person and have the conversation. Yeah. Then present how it made you feel. And I know that's foreign for a lot of us men because we were trained that our feelings don't matter. Sure. Or that they're bad or that they're weakness. These are all lies. You're a human. You have feelings. You're made in God's image and likeness. These are real emotions. Yes. Some are good and positive. Some are bad and negative. Yep. But they're real. Oh. They are real. And if your wife, <laughs> you know, uh, is worthy of expressing her emotions, so are you, brother. So are you, and F, society and the media who tells you differently. Agreed. Seriously. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean you have the right to react to your feelings and emotions and explode all over the place. That's inordinate. That is insubordinate emotion. Emotion is supposed to be under intellect. Absolutely, right? And then step three, if you don't get the results or outcome you were looking for in the conversation, there's still conflict, there's still unforgiveness, but it's no longer on your end because you showed up as the man and took the first step. You took the arrows, you went first, but she hasn't resolved or the other person hasn't resolved. Well, then Nate says, give it time but show up and smile every time you see them. And now that unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment that they're experiencing is between them and God. You no longer have a responsibility in that matter. Yeah. You show up free and clear and smile because of the freedom God gave you and the forgiveness God gave you and smile to the other person so that they see it. And Nate, before this conversation, that's where I was stuck. I was walking around with a pouty face, pouty face. We all do it. <laughs> we all Ang do it. Angry face. Yep. Yeah. Like, can't you see? I'm still pissed off at you. I'm still mad. I'm, I'm just still letting you mad. know. <laughs> and my that mad matters. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny because that's exactly, we all do it. Every one of them. I do it. You do it. Like every person does. That. You know, I experienced masculinity you know, when I was a little boy um, and when it came to um, uh, healing conflict, um, what I experienced, how a man handles conflict or, or conflict resolution was that the other person, the offending party must come back and grovel mm -hmm. for forgiveness. It's called tyranny. <laughs> And they must present their forgiveness in a way that that man needs to experience. Otherwise, it's not real forgiveness. And they need to continue their groveling process. Yeah. And it's almost an impossible endeavor for that person. Yeah. Because they can't read that man's mind. Right. And I still, to this day, get caught up in some of that. Yeah. We, yeah. This isn't a public confession, but this is a public confession, meaning I'm confessing on behalf of all men, not yeah. just me. And myself. We, are, we all have these uh, preconceived notions that we carry from 
raising that we carry from influence that we carry from societal basting, (laughs) if you will, that intentionally or unintentionally, mostly unintentionally, we inflict upon others. And I believe it was the Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius. Only you should be the one in charge of how you treat others. So you apply that to Catholicism, Christianity. God in you is the only way that you should be treating others. Not what you were influenced by. God in you. So how you react should not be how you were treated. And now, obviously, I'm not good at this, but we practice. (laughs) We try to suck less. Suck less, baby. (laughs) You know, something I just that landed for me that you said, Nate, and I thank you in advance for this, is that you said in so many words, making others grovel to earn your forgiveness is tyranny. Yeah, it is is tyranny. And man, I used to condemn God when I was a kid for being a tyrant. Right. Yeah. Because I always felt like I had to win back his affection because that's how it was presented to me. Sure. So eventually I just got so tired of going back to him to grovel. Yeah. So I just stayed away from him. Yeah. Yeah. Indifference. I, I spent years being indifferent to God. I just yeah. didn't care. Which is worse than hatred. Worse than yeah. hatred. It is. Indifferent. God says he will vomit forth the lukewarm from his mouth. And lukewarm means indifferent. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what lukewarm means. It's indifferent. He will vomit them forth outside of the gates where they will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. All right, this has been a powerful conversation with my guest, Nate Cools. We've been speaking about reckless abandonment to trust in God. And hopefully, BC Nation, we've presented in a way that's practical for your everyday life and situations, for conflict resolution. And we've presented in a way that's easy enough for you to take at least one step forward in that and suck a little less after this conversation. So what are you committing to do, BC Nation, in the next 48 hours? What action are you committing to take in the next 48 hours? I already got mine, and it's going to look like a conversation with my wife. (laughs) But first, I may go out into nature and release some rage that's still hanging in there. Sometimes it just needs to get out. Yes. 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 All right. Nate, are you ready for my favorite part of the show, the confession round? Uh, Whether or not I am ready, God's ready, right? (laughs) Let's go. Uh, I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show without the prizes. Here we go. What is your favorite thing about God? Uh, Compassion. His compassion for humanity. He loves us regardless. Yeah, my favorite yeah that's it <laughs> like his uh his love for us yeah i mean that that encompasses his his mercy his charity his everything else but also his justice i mean he brings good out of the worst every time his compassion for humanity uh as a father i i like to relate he looks at it the way we look at our little infant babies. It's like, did they mean to poo their diaper? Absolutely not. And I still love them, even if it got on the bed sheets. <laughs> like, you know, and so that's how he looks at us. And it's so incredible. Hmm. What is your least favorite thing about God? Uh, Pretty much my own walls I place between him and me as not against him. <laughs> my, the, the least favorite thing about God is only in my own pride do I place walls between him and me. Hmm. The fall of human nature. So that's not against him. That's against me. So I guess you could say that would be against uh, the fall of Adam. 
<laughs> I like to joke around. When I get to heaven, I may or may not pull Adam aside and punch him square in the jaw. Yeah, say, I know. Why did you cause all this pain for all us men out there and women and our children? Well, um, I will say he caused it so that we can prove our love to God. In the fall, God, knowing that fall was going to happen, but he still gives us free will. It allows a greater love of God than without the fall, because we have to prove it even against our nature. And don't get caught up on the word prove like we have to prove our love to God. No, That's no, not no. what's being said here. It's saying that this makes it possible for our love with God to go deeper. Yes, thank you. To for expand, that. to increase. So God brings good even out of the evil that we do as men. Yes. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, Nate, either professionally or personally? Um, professionally, I'm trying to get uh, my love of God and literally just, I guess, the structure of how I try to live my life out as a message to the world, um, which is uh, as, as written down by St. Thomas Aquinas, God first, then the man following God, then the wife following the man who's following God, then the children following the wife, following the man, following God, then business. And that is, I like to call it the reverse end of the telescope to how society looks at life that you have to provide, right? Provide. Well, providing financially is the bottom of the totem pole according to how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be putting God first. But a good Christian in society today provides first, as we discussed earlier in the conversation, ignoring the fact they're never there for their wife. They're never around for their kids. They're not influencing the principles, morals, virtues to their children. They're always working. Well, in providing, they ignored God and they ignored the family that God gave them. Where instead, if you place God first, God says, I will give back to you 100-fold everything that you give up, whether it's family, whether it's father, mother, sister, brother, cattle, horses, like... He says, I'll give you a hundredfold. And he doesn't say in heaven. He doesn't say in heaven. He Right now, he will give it back if you put him first. I'm a walking, breathing, living example of that. I'm existing today, not because I'm focused on working, but because I'm focused on God and family. And he gives me everything else. We're here discussing because of God's graciousness, not because I tried for it. BC Nation, this is a powerful point, even though it's happening within the confession round and we're way over three seconds. Nation, I'm sorry. Rule bender. <laughs> rule bender. Um, but there's a powerful point to be had here, and that is, have you been stealing from God the provider role that it belongs to him to provide for all your needs the same way he provides for all the needs of the birds of the air have all their needs, their foods and everything like that to provide for all those natural material needs. God says he will provide that. Yeah. Your role man is to do what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you. Yes. He's literally telling you your role and his. Yeah. Right there. But society and the enemy has lied to us and says, no, it's the other way around. You need to go provide all the physical needs, leave God to handle the spiritual needs. And God says, that is not my order. He was very it doesn't work. He was very specific about it. This it's is our powerful. All right. What are you most afraid of, Nate? Well, uh, thank you, Mother Angelica, founder of EWTN, for saying it so clearly, because my greatest fear is getting to heaven and God showing me what I could have done, the influence I could have had, 
if I had had the courage of faith to do it, but I didn't. Mm. That's my greatest fear. It's not the death. It's not the sins that I've committed in my life. It's God showing me this is what you should have been. This is what you're capable of, but you didn't do it because you were too fearful. Spiritual FOMO. Fear of missing out on what God wanted you to do, but you were not courageous enough to do. There you go. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Uh, feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> smack, smack, stop. Okay. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> that, that, that pretty much is it. <laughs> There's your therapy. You're welcome. Yep. <laughs> uh, what secret fear do you have about people? Oh, that they won't like me. I'm an introvert by nature so that they won't like me or they'll put negative comments or something. So my greatest fear is that they'll say something bad about me. Oh no, poor my, poor me. My soul's going to hurt. <laughs> Listen, I've gotten one star reviews on this podcast. I've been called a heretic because they didn't take the time to listen to more than maybe two minutes of an episode and they drew their conclusions without context. Totally, totally <laughs> so took away what? your, totally took away your life force, right? No, but that's still my greatest fear. <laughs> what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, his mercy. Yeah. Yeah. What's, his... what's the new habit you're going to create this year? Well, I already started. And that's uh, daily working out. It, it clears your head. Get up before the sun. Get the workout done before I'm fully consciously awake so that I can get it out of the way to clear my head, help my body, and discipline myself so that I come back as the kids are waking up focused for the day. What's a bad habit you're going to break? Well, I really like my pipe. <laughs> And so I'm trying to trying to cut that back and get it down to just one just just one smoke on my pipe before the evening and call that a day instead of uh oh I need to go make time for that. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Focused. Stupid in the regard of whatever God makes me do. I don't really care how ridiculous it makes me look. And uh, three words, family, it's my everything. Pick three words to describe who you were uh, before you recklessly abandoned yourself to trust in God. Selfish, money hungry, uh, complacent. Nate, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family, your friends, your wife, your kids in the eye, and give them only one piece of advice about real relationship with God, what would you say to them? It doesn't matter what it feels like, what, how you want to think about it, what society tells you. Read the Gospels, go to church, receive the sacraments. He will inspire you. If it takes away your peace, if it causes anxiety, drop it. It doesn't matter if it's blood-related family. It doesn't matter if it's your church group. It doesn't matter what it is. If it takes away your inner peace, drop it. It's like holding a hot coal that's burning the flesh off your hands. Get rid of it. Walk away. Don't look back. God will take care of it. Your duty is to maintain calmness of soul because only in calmness can you hear God. And only when you hear God can you follow God. So it doesn't matter what society of the world tells you. Calm your soul and follow it. This is the opportunity for you to give a homework assignment to BC Nation for this week. What is one action they must take, say, in the next 48 hours? What do you got for them? Fasting. Fasting. It, it's that, that simple. Give up food at least once a week for 24 hours. Deny yourself that need. 
you look online, you can, there, there's, uh, put, put salt and potassium and everything else in the water you drink so you stay hydrated and your digestive system keeps working, but fasting. And the reason I say fasting is because when you deny yourself what you believe you truly need, even though we truly don't, you're able to truly focus in your mind. We think about what am I eating? When's the next meal? What am I making? How do I make it? Where do I go? It takes up so much of our headspace. Give it up. Catholics, it's easy. We're supposed to abstain on Fridays anyway. So just don't, don't eat. Just don't flip and eat. <laughs> it's really easy. So one day a week, just start with that. Give it up for one day and you'll realize how much headspace you can gain back. I'll tell you that. Okay. There you go, BC Nation. BC Nation, did you enjoy this show with Nate? He gave so much of himself to you, to I. If you did, go write him a five-star review. Don't write him a one-star review. That's going to hurt him. He it hurts, told you that. hurts my feelings. <laughs> Don't hurt his feelings. Come on. The guy's, he's got 10 kids. Have a little, a little empathy here, okay? Uh, go to uh, podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher.com, or go to BrokenCatholic.com and write your five-star review right now. If we like what you write, I'll give you a live shout-out on the show like I'm about to do with Josh Hill. Josh Hill wrote, thanks, Joseph, a very insightful podcast on the journey of a Christian and how it can be tested. I like the fact that Joseph says, if you're not ready yet to take a deep dive in, that's okay, that your faith will be ready and waiting when you are, meaning God. It's okay to falter or suck, <laughs> right? Yeah. And what we all do once we pick ourselves back up, right? So you let go of this endless pursuit of perfection, Right. This is what so many of us get trapped in. So Josh Hill, thank you for your wisdom and your five-star review. BC Nation, go write yours now. Nate Cools, how does BC Nation get in contact with you, find out more, uh, connect with you? What do you got for them? Um, I'm still building it. As I said, I'm, I'm pretty low on their uh, reach out. I've been focusing on family only <laughs> for a long time. So pretty much uh, at Nate underscore Cools. On Instagram is kind of the only thing I have at the moment. And I'm just starting it, but you can direct message me there. You can email me there. I will. I give uh, uh, family advice when asked, uh, practical advice. I was army medic and stuff, and thinking, <laughs> whatever you need um, as best as I can. And that that that's pretty much it. Yeah. Parenting advice from an army medic. I like it. <laughs> Here's how to save your kids. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nate Cools, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. 
I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.